Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is Sarah. Unfortunately, Reiki hey. couldn't make it, but Sarah is with me. Yay! You're the one that matters, right? That's right. My original co-host, you know, the one that's yeah. been through thick and thin with me, right? Absolutely. All these years. And it actually <laughs> has been years. So we've been doing this now for yeah. about four years now, right? Right. She's kind of crazy to think about. Right. It's been Time a while. Flies. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, we are doing Twister this week. Yes, fabulous movie. Right, it it's, uh, really hits the nostalgia button, I think, for the both oh, of us. Right? Yeah. Um, so before we get into the rundown, Sarah, what was your first introduction to Twister? How did you get into uh, this movie? Man, I don't know how old I was, but I think I had to be like, eight maybe nine and my dad showed me this uh this movie and i I got obsessed with it after i saw it because i this is my like i live in a place where my the weather system is extremely docile and the worst we get is good rainstorm now and again and this is the first time i was ever introduced to like some really crazy you know, weather that is destructive. And I was obsessed with it. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is it. I want to go and chase tornadoes. And until I figured out that, you know, we don't get tornadoes even close to here, that dream kind of got crushed. But this movie inspired a lot of like fascination with like weather systems and all kinds of like, you know, it's amazing what mother nature can do, you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, For me, this movie was a, a drive-in watch this is actually you know probably i don't know a few weeks after it came out in theaters in 1996 i was 14 and uh, my dad said oh we're going to the drive-in you know i got home from school he's like we're going to the drive-in uh tonight and i said okay um hopped in the the truck with all of us together it was a really nice night out we sat and watched this movie and i remember being completely enthralled I mean, I was enthralled from the first scene onward because, like you, you know, I okay, we don't get tornadoes much in the Northeast. They can happen, they have happened, but it's it's a much much rarer occurrence than it is in say Central United States and the Southeast United States where uh, it happens all the time. But I was obsessed with this movie. I, I watched it. Uh, at the drive-in and then my parents bought it for me on VHS and I've watched that thing. I dozens is probably inaccurate. I I, I would say it's <laughs> probably you. somewhere in the 70 to 80, maybe even a hundred viewings kind of thing. And uh, probably over the, like about three year period, around the time I graduated high school, you know, and then I went off to college and then there was other movies and stuff, but I, I wore almost wore that tape out. So <laughs> Yeah, I have no doubt. It's it's a fabulous movie, and it's so easy to watch and you know be entertained by, and just fascinated. Like to this day, I follow YouTubers who do the storm chasing, and there's this guy. He did one recently. There was a big, big run through of tornadoes. I don't remember what state it was in, but and he doesn't have any followers. He's got like four thousand followers. Guy's not like a big YouTuber, but he does this for a hobby. He got so flipping close to an F4 tornado. Wow. He was so close to it. I was like, I was so nervous. I was like, 
you're gonna die, dude. I, like, I know this is on YouTube, but I still feel like I'm gonna watch you die. <laughs> like, you had to have had a way to get this online, but it, it was so close. And he literally, like, like they had, um, cops were blocking people off. He literally went into the ditch, drove around the cops, and <laughs> took off towards the tornado. I'm like, you have so much balls. Like, I would never do something like that. This That's guy's crazy. That is crazy. Um, <laughs> Got moxie. Yeah, a little bit, uh, a little crazy. <laughs> Maybe too. a little bit of insanity. A little yep. insanity, but but that's how you would probably characterize most of the people in this movie too. Exactly. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that as well. So uh, let's do this. Um, the rundown. So release date: May tenth, nineteen ninety six. Written by Michael Crichton and his wife Anne Marie uh, Martin. Directed by Jeanne de Bont. Uh, runtime. One hour, 53 minutes, a budget of $92 million, box wow. office, $241.7 million domestic, only 11 foreign, but $252 million total. Uh, so I think it was it was definitely a, a pretty big movie for its time. Um, that surprises me. It was a big budget. Yeah, but $92 million is a lot of money. But Yeah, especially in like 96. <laughs> right. That's probably, the, I would say probably the equivalent of about 160 to 170 million today, something like that. Definitely. Uh, but Jane Bond had actually done Speed in 1994, and that was a uh-huh. huge, huge movie. And I think that uh, gave him the cachet to get this kind of budget for for True. Twister. Uh, stars uh, the late, unfortunately, the late Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, uh, the late Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman. Yeah. Um, Jamie Gertz, Carrie Ells, and uh, Alan Ruck, among other people. Some really great actors in this. Yeah, there is some some serious, um, good acting. You know, good actors, um, people that they really, you know, either weren't big store store stars at the time. Philip Seymour Hoffman was uh, uh, much younger at this point. Uh, I think he was one of those actors in Hollywood that was, well, like. I think respected even at that time, but this really pushed him a little higher career wise. Um, you know, 10 years later, or yeah, about 10 years later, he, he wins an Academy Award for, you know, Capote, but he, even between Twister and Capote, he did, you know, a ton of really great work. And uh, so it was great to, to see him here. Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, again, they weren't huge stars or anything, but, you know, they were known. And yeah. uh, this certainly helped them out, and you know everybody on here. There's no massive star in this movie. Uh, the the Twister, or I would say Twisters, were the the real stars, I think. <laughs> but um, but in terms of actors, I think you know there's good caliber of actors uh, in the project. And the music for this movie is phenomenal too. Like every time I think of this movie, I think about like three things: like the tornadoes, uh, the, the casting, and the music. It always like stood out to me. It was so perfect for the right moments. I, I def whoever who did the. Do you know offhand who did the music? Um, not offhand actually. I'll have to look it up. But uh, yeah, whoever did that, you know, did it very well for the music and the dramatic moments. Did a really good job. Well, they they had a combination of the score and, you know, music of its time. You know, the night the <laughs> mid nineties um, music. So, you know, but it was it's not it's not terrible. 
you know, or anything, but... Oh, it won an Academy Award for Best Sound. Oh, Sound Design. For Sound Design. It just says Best Sound. What yeah, that, that, that usually that that's like sound design, like uh, sound effects, because the sound, in, the effects in this are are fantastic. Uh, yeah. That's one of the highlights of this movie, apart from the special effects, uh, is the sound design. It really stands out because you I had feel no idea like, there was Oscars won for this movie. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the the music that was in the movie. I mean, certainly it's of its time, of course. Uh, you had bands and artists uh that contributed to the soundtrack so but like the dramatic music like when they're inside the twister like it was adds to the moment very much so correct yeah yeah they have a i think a good knack in this movie of finding the moments when music needs to be played and in times where you just want silence and that's it so but yeah, anyway, let's let's um I guess let's get into this uh this movie and talk about the things that are really good, the things that maybe aren't so good about this movie. <laughs> uh critically speaking. What from a critical you talk about from nothing a bad about critical this movie. standpoint, yeah, there are there are some things we probably <laughs> have to get to. Um but let's do our one sentence review first. So Sarah, why don't you go ahead and uh, give yours? So my one sentence review is that Twister is a, a movie that evokes nostalgia and is just completely captivating of an audience. And while it does have its flaws, it still stands as one of the best movies I've seen in my life. Okay. Uh, my one sentence review is: Despite its obvious flaws, I love Twister in the way you can only, you only can with a movie that you've watched in your early teens and then on VHS countless countless times afterward. Pure spectacle, love it. So, yeah, I think I still have a VHS of this movie somewhere in a box. <laughs> I oh, have I no doubt. Yeah. Uh, all right. Plot synopsis. So. Pretty simple here. Uh, when a massive storm cell is set to unleash an unprecedented amount of tornadoes in the Midwest, a team of storm chasers races towards these storms in the hopes of setting off a piece of equipment that would collect data and potentially give more warning time for oncoming storms. So, which is pretty cool concept because, I mean, even now, like that's when you think of like storm chases and stuff like that, you still think of back to like Twister. It all kind of originated. I don't think anybody knew what a storm chaser was until this movie came about. Yeah, storm chasers are um, you know, pretty crazy group of people. <laughs> crazy people. I, I don't think I'd be one of them. But um, I do, I wish I could do that. Like, it would be fascinating to do. But yeah, like I would. I'd have that brake pedal being pushed quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. All right, so let's get into our thoughts on this. Um, look, this is a pure popcorn movie. There's no doubt about it. This is, um, you know, it, it's a summer blockbuster popcorn movie, and it was huge. I remember when it came out, it got a lot of press, of course. It was number one, I think, at the box office for maybe a few weeks. And, you know, it, it was just one of those movies that for, you know, about a month, it pretty much more or less rolled the movie theaters. And um, 
it was a movie that I, I enjoyed a lot. I loved when I watched it for the first time, as, as I said earlier. But the fact is, if we're looking at this movie, it does have problems. Now, uh, the special effects were amazing. I remember just like I was sitting there watching these tornadoes. And I'm just like, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, I thought Jurassic Park was amazing. And now I'm seeing tornadoes. How could this not be the greatest thing ever? Right. What a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> right. And you got to remember at this time, you know, for people that are young, if you're listening to this episode, that maybe you weren't even around in 1996 or you were very, very young, maybe a small child or a baby. Um, you have to remember at the time, special effects were really just starting to come into their own. Um, now they've improved, as you well know, so much over the years. Um, but if you look at the special effects in this movie, when you rewatch it now, okay, so mm, some don't hold up all that well. There are, <laughs> there are a few things. So the satellite in the beginning of the movie, ouch, not, yeah. not great. That's, that's pretty poor. Um, there's a, a shot towards the end of the movie where there's a, a tree that's kind of coming towards the truck. Yeah. That's really, really bad. I mean, it's, it looks bad, bad. Um, even the cow is a little. <laughs> not yeah, not it's not nearly as bad as the satellite or the or the tree, no. but yeah, it's not great. Now, uh, surprisingly enough, for the most part, I think the twisters still hold up pretty well. Um, especially I think the so. especially the final one, the F five. That one, yeah. that one is even now. I watched it, you know, this movie a couple of days ago, and I remember. Sitting there thinking, okay, I know this movie is twenty two years old, but but man, even now that twister at the end, that that tornado at the end is just still fantastic looking. It, and it's still terrifying to watch. Yeah. Like I've seen this dozens and dozens of times, but that still puts me on edge. Is watching that F five. It's, it's they've shot it so well. Yeah, animated it or whatever. So like you know. <sighs> I had a buddy of mine. He said, you know, how do you guys grade your special effects for older movies? And I said, well, you know, we're grading our, our special effects. I and mean, obviously we're not at the grading point yet. But um, I said, you know, we have to do two things. We have to look at the, the special effects objectively. But then we also have to think about the fact that, okay, this movie is, say, X years old. It's 20 years old. So... You know, yes, the special effects aren't as good as today, but when we're grading it, we have to keep in mind it's a 20-year-old movie. So you have to kind of be thinking of those things simultaneously when you're when you're viewing an older movie. So like you have to weigh both and come to a grade that feels right. Um, if the special effects were bad in 1996, and they're bad, 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 bad now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if they were really great oh, in 1996, yeah. there may be pretty good still for the most part now so you got to kind of grade that accordingly you know you have to do that in a in a way where you hold both uh sides in your head at the same time but you know when you grade something like that did you ever see um stephen king's the langoliers uh i, I love that movie it, it probably in a, it's not a great movie um again it was a movie i watched when i was like 12 um the Langoliers, do you mean the end scene? It, the, the, it on the plane, the things crawling around. All right, it was it was terrible 
Yeah. Back in '94. <laughs> he was terrible back then. Yeah. Like I like the con the movie concept and the story mm-hmm. and everything like that. But even when I was a kid and I watched that, like I knew it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In that's fact, what I hold. Like that's always been bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I I wouldn't mind if they redid that movie. Oh, ditto. Yeah. That would be a good one to redo. But um. Yeah. So anyway, uh. Back to back to this movie. Sorry, small <laughs> tangent. But let's talk about uh, the story. All right, let's let's talk about that first. So the setup for this is that, of course, uh, all these tornadoes are gonna be hitting because this this massive you know cell is uh, gonna unleash all these storms that you know, there hasn't been one like this for at least twelve years, um, and you have this intrepid group of storm chasers led by Joe. Her husband, Bill, comes out because he wants to get his divorce papers signed. Uh, they split up. We don't know you know, how long ago that was. Was it a year ago, six months? We don't know. Um, it's been a while, though. It, probably longer. I think he said something uh, early on where he said that the papers were the same as they were six months ago. So at the very least, it's been six probably months. Probably a year and a half, but, I would yeah, think. It, it, it's, it's, it's something, unfortunately, that the movie decided wasn't all that important. Uh, but we'll right. get to more of that later. Um, so when he's there, Joe shows them Dorothy, which they came up with the idea, or, or he did. And they finally got it built uh, with whatever grant money they had left. And they have four of these now. And this is the thing. This is the device that they're going to try to put in the path of the storm. It's going to open up. And all these little sensors inside are going to get pulled up into the twister. It's going to feed all this information back into computers that they have um, in the vans. And they'll be able to use that data and then create this warning system, which gives people so much more time. So it's like this altruistic element to what they're trying to do. So mm-hmm. uh, setting these exactly. setting these people up as the good guys. And then Melissa is there, which is Bill's uh, new fiance. Fantastic. <laughs> And yeah, well, we'll talk she's about got some that. really good lines. We'll we'll talk about her, um, but uh, things don't get signed because uh, a tornado is landing, and so they're all hopping in their vehicles to chase after you know this tornado. Um, he's going along because you know obviously whenever they split up, Dorothy hadn't been built yet, and now that he's seen the fact that she's ready to go, he actually is kind of excited to to tag along and help his you know, interest has been peaked yeah you know tag along and see this thing actually be put into a tornado uh they've probably been working on this thing for for years um and and so of course you know he'd want to be part of it exactly so that's kind of the setup and then we get introduced to jonah who is the you know slimy former uh partner uh they worked in the lab together and then he went off and in Got himself uh, some corporate sponsors, and uh, which which means bad guy. Uh, Always in the nineties, that's clearly bad guy. And they drive in; they all they're all in black vans. So again, bad guy. Yeah. Um, and of course, his version of Dorothy has to have like it's super chrome, and they're pyramids, not spheres. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, we'll, that's a little over the top. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that because there's, I got some serious. <laughs> issues with the script uh from a, <laughs> from a, yeah um so we get introduced to jonah he and bill obviously not 
friends and, and they probably haven't <laughs> been for some time. Um, and, and then basically the rest of this movie for the most part is just a series of chasing after this tornado and, and you, they work their way up the Fujita scale for the people that don't know what the Fujita scale is. It's a, it's a scale which, uh, illustrates how much a tornado eats and depending on the wind speed and how much damage it can do, it's then placed on the Fujita scale. So you have an F1 tornado, which is a rather small tornado, probably might maybe you'll pull down like a tree or something like a small tree maybe you know do some damage to your shingles something like that a little um, more than a dust devil right it, it's not too bad you know you're you're probably going to be fine for the most part but um and you go up to like an f2 which is is getting a little stronger now we're talking about something that could actually tip over cars and things like that you get to an f3 now we're talking about something that can you know rip apart uh uh, house. A house, like mobile homes destroyed, Car- yeah. pick up a pick up a car, that kind of thing, um, and then you got F fours, which now you're, you're talking get the hell out of ser- its way, right? Yeah, don't be near this thing, and then F five, which is they so I'll put it in this movie, the finger of God, so um, this thing will destroy pretty much anything that it comes in contact with, um, but that's basically the movie. We now. Follow these characters as they they chase after this tornado and and then another one another one because they can't seem to get the Dorothy in front of these tornadoes to be picked up for a variety of reasons they get knocked over, um, things like that and and then of course, you know we get to the end with the F five tornado and uh, you know they finally get Dorothy into the F five, so um. Let's talk about the script and, and the problems that it has and the things it does well. So if we start out the things it does well, um, I think the team, Joe's team, is probably one of the better things about this movie. Uh, Dusty and the other characters and, you know, you know, Rabbit played by Alan Ruck and, of course, Dusty by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then you have some other actors in there, people I recognize from other movies, um, you know, not big stars, just character actors. And I think they're an eclectic group of people. I think they're all, um, you know, a little cartoonish, but in a good way, you know. Um, yeah. It's the kind of the cartoonish that is a little crazy, but that's what you need for people who chase storms. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and that works. And I think that team is great. Uh, I think the best scene, and you might not agree, you may agree. Uh, the best scene for me in the entire movie is the scene at Meg's house. That would be Joe's aunt. Um, they're eating steak and hanging around. There's this moment. It's like this this one moment in the middle of the movie where everyone has a chance to take a break. Mm-hmm. All right, we've just, just chased breathe. a couple of tornadoes, and and now we have a chance to just take a take a breath. And it's it's probably the most constructive scene in the movie when it comes to a character standpoint for Joe, for, for everybody really. I mean, if they're talking, they're telling stories, they're telling stories about Bill, you know, walking drunkenly up to a tornado and said, have a drink, chucking it into the, into the storm. Um, <laughs> you know, these are the Fabulous. kind of things and, and you, you see Bill unwind and relax in a way he, he hasn't to this point. And he's, he's joking. He's, um, this is like these group of people he he's been with for a long time. You can tell that 
they've all been together through a lot and and he knows these guys and girls like nobody else you know so uh except for joe um so this scene for me is maybe the best scene in the entire movie because it is the best scene when it comes to characters and unfortunately in this movie there is a serious lack of that stuff and there isn't enough uh time for this movie to devote to it i understand that but still uh there's a very i think half-hearted attempt to ring out some drama uh in this movie and but you bring along the new girlfriend and yeah that's drama it, it's a problem and and uh, i don't want to get to that yet i want to still focus on some of the good stuff here um obviously you know from a script standpoint that stuff's really good um, I think from a script standpoint, I think the, the, uh, the chase sequences with the tornadoes are, are well done. Uh, obviously you got to translate that to actually shooting it, editing it and all that stuff. And I get that. Uh, but just on page, I think they probably did a good job of putting them in situations where they come in contact with these tornadoes and just making it dangerous, you know, showing you even on the page, just how you don't want to be in front of this thing. Um, and so I think they did that pretty well. Um, but look, this movie is what it is, okay? that It's a popcorn movie, and, and I get that. And so I'm going to level criticism at this movie. You might say, well, gee, why are you leveling criticism here? Because look, this is just a fun, dumb movie. Fine, whatever. Great. But, you know, I understand some people might roll their eyes and say, look, it's Twister. It is what it is. Why are you railing against this movie? Uh, look, I love this movie. I can sit and watch this movie anytime. No problem. Um, I will laugh. I will smile. But I've also got nostalgia working for me as well. Uh, <laughs> never, never underestimate the power of nostalgia. Uh, yeah, that, that like seriously, you. Labyrinth is still my favorite yeah. movie. So if that doesn't speak for nostalgia, I don't know what does. <laughs> right. And, and, and nostalgia will blind you to the faults of movies. Yep. It just does. It's just the way it is. It it It's like that but um we're reviewing this for the podcast we have to look at it critically because if you can't look at it critically even something that you love and say yeah i love this movie but it has faults it has problems i understand that and i'm gonna i'm gonna own up to it that this movie for all that i love about it there's things that really could have been could have done uh, been done much better so uh, so Sarah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw what I consider to be a real problem script-wise, and, and I want you to tell me whether or not you agree or disagree. And uh, you know, I'll give you a chance to you can tell me things you love about the script and see if there's some stuff that you don't like. So, okay. problem number one, Melissa. <laughs> I I I don't like the love triangle. Uh, for this, um, I think it's lazy. I, I think it's completely unnecessary. Uh, one of the problems with this script, apart from just the Melissa you know, aspect, um, is that there's way too much being stuffed into this script, as crazy as that sounds, because with all the tornado chasing, they don't have enough time to devote to some of this other stuff. But they feel like that we, you know, we need to identify with Bill and Joe. And the way we do that is introduce the fiance. Uh, we know that that 
Bill still loves Joe. We know Joe still loves Bill. Anybody can see that. Even Melissa can see that in the movie well before um, you know, Bill admits as much over the radio. Uh, in the middle of the in the middle of that road when there's a tornado right around them. Um but the problem is Melissa's function is just to be the avatar for the audience. All right. She's exposition person. All right. She doesn't understand tornadoes, so that allows characters to explain what the Fujita scale is for her, uh to her. Uh, explain what Dorothy is so that you know, they're also explaining it to the audience. Okay. Yeah. So she's just like the person who has no idea what's going on. And so they can just throw all that stuff out there. So we learn that stuff. There you go. Um, it is kind of lazy to do it that way. It's done all the time. I get it. But even apart from that, my biggest issue is that this love triangle doesn't do anything. It 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 if you were to cut Melissa out of this movie, it would help so much. Because you could make the drama between Joe and Bill still very potent. In fact, you could do much better than what it's done in this movie. Okay, if Melissa exists, she exists off screen. She's back in wherever, okay? Um, fine, if you want to do that. Maybe just make it so that Bill wants to get divorced. He doesn't even with it. He's not even with anybody, and I think that that would work fine too. Um, and, and besides, you know, this relationship fizzles in a day, Sarah, a day, I know, yeah. a single day. And she's like, yeah, we both, we both knew this was going to, you know, be the way it, it was going to be, or it was going to end this way. And it's like, really? I, last time I checked, you guys were getting married. Um, yeah. It's not very solid foundation right there. Right. So if, if she, if Melissa at the, at the point in the movie where she just says, yeah, I'm going back and, and we're done. I'm bre- we're breaking this off. I can't compete with this, this storm thing. Um, why are we supposed to care? She doesn't, yeah. like, even she says, I'm not really all that upset about it. And it's like, well, gee, no, why should I be all that upset? So the point is, why should we have cared all the, this time if this is the end result? The fact is, we're not supposed to care. And it's just a lazy way to, to create drama where they didn't need to. They could have explored Bill and Joe's relationship. Here's a question. Uh, okay, we didn't know when they filed for divorce or when he filed for divorce. We really don't even know what split them up. Right? Yeah, it's just kind of um, Everything's implied that you know either he's got too close to something or just. Decided he want out of it. I'm assuming that he just got too close to a storm and it made him stop and pull away, or some somebody got killed by it. I, I don't. Was close to him. I, I don't think so. I have a theory. Uh, my theory is that Joe, in her death wish, kind of the way she is in this movie, which I actually consider to be one of the better parts of the script. Uh, we get this these hints that she just wants to, almost wants to go right into a tornado. She wants to see what her father saw. When he died. Okay. I think there's almost like a PTSD thing going on with her. Oh, yeah. And has been going on for, for since she was a little girl, really. And I think that that's kind of what they hint at is there's multiple times where she's crawling towards this tornado that will kill her. And, and you know, Bill has to pull her away, pull her back. Um, and I think, in my opinion, and, and again, this is this should have 
should have been something that could have been explored so much better in this movie had they actually had the time to pay attention to it was this whole death wish thing. And I think that's what happened. I think her increasing obsession with tornadoes and her desire to, in a way, get killed. And and Bill says it in that scene, you know, dying isn't going to bring your dad back. You know, like walking into this tornado isn't going to solve anything. You're just going to die. And and yes, for a second, you may understand in, in a few moments what your dad felt and what he experienced in his death, but that doesn't, what's that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It just means you're going to die. So I think that that's what pulled them apart in reality is that uh, obsession by her. But again, it's only hinted at. And, you know, for people that think, you know, why be so critical about this stuff? There are, there are popcorn movies out there that are fantastic scripts that do a lot with what they, you know, spare time they have in the movie. Uh, you look at Indiana Jones and uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is that a popcorn movie? Yeah. Is it one of the best movies of all time? Yeah. Because apart from all the adventures and the and the stunt sequences and the chases and this and that, there was a ton of great characters and, and a lot of stuff that they do with Indiana Jones and Marion and the list goes on. But they do it because they take the time to really craft an excellent script in the first place and to identify who is the important characters, what do we need to do, what relationships relationships are we going to explore, and how are we going to do it? And I think the movie falls short here. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to add or rebuttal? Anything here? Well, Melissa, like while I I agree with you that she's there to be the explainer for the audience, like for us to be like fed, you know, what this information is, and I don't like the love triangle either i think that's just kind of like why do you have to be there but then i have the counter where i like her character i like that she is there because she is the audience <laughs> she's she's us like sure. we're not all of us aren't insane and wouldn't go storm chasing we're the outside looking in and i like that aspect and that they have that uh in her and that her reactions are very I think pretty genuine to what a normal person would person would experience being thrown into some of the insanest storms in 12 years. I, and I like the fact that, you know, like this is a little thing, but she has the most iconic lines of this movie. <laughs> and that says something when, you know, you're quoting movies and you're quoting the sub character. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think it adds something. I mean, I can't disagree with, what you just said there. Um, I, I think they could have done a lot better with her. Yeah. I think if you're going to include her in this fashion, you've got to do a lot more than what you did. I mean, you've got to find a way to make this a little more yes. original and, or I agree with at, you there, at least more robust. Um, I want to move on briefly to Jonah because look at the end of the day for me, <laughs> you either need to take Melissa out of this movie or you need to take, Jonah out of this movie. One of these characters has to go because there is not enough room in this movie. And while I agree, I think at least to a degree with what you said about Melissa and she's the, you know, the the avatar for the audience and she does have some good lines in this movie. um, 
Jonah as a character is first of all, he's way way too cartoonish. Way he too. might as well be having a mustache that he twirls, like pretty much. <laughs> literally. Right. Um and this is nothing against Carrie Ells. I mean He's fabulous. He's he's a I like I love him as an actor. I've seen him in a lot of things. Uh I think it's more about the direction he was given. Um but the character itself. Right. Now here's one of the things I want to harp on. His reasoning throughout this movie regarding whether or not to follow or not follow Joe and Bill makes absolutely no sense. So let me illustrate. All right, there are times where uh, the moment they leave, or you know, whether it's Bill, well, I guess they're all together. Where when Bill and Joe leave, he's like, "Pack it up, let's go!" Right, so he's gonna follow them, right? Or they make a turn on a different road, and he's like. Yeah, do it. Turn. So yeah. they go after him. And then there are other times where he ignores that instinct, which makes no sense. There's no continuity of character in this movie, right? If he's just going to follow them all the time because it's obvious that, that Bill or they have a level of instinct about tornadoes and where they're going to be and all that stuff better than, than he does or his team does, then that's fine. Make them chasing after Bill and Joe all the time. But it makes no sense when there's points in this movie where it's obvious that Bill and Joe and the team have made a turn here or turn there, and he's like, keep going. But but why? How does that make any sense whatsoever? Why would you now suddenly decide that you don't need to follow Bill and Joe? Uh, what makes you so Especially confident? Especially in regards to the F5. Well, because, yeah, but I mean, or the four, a, right? The four, that, but any of them. I mean, it just it makes no sense. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, I, like I said, it's continuity of character. If you're gonna make a character do something like this, then you've got to follow through on that for the rest of the movie. If he just believes, hey, hey, if he thinks he knows what he's doing all the time, then he's never gonna follow Bill and Joe. If he yeah. if he knows that they are better at this than him deep down, then he's going to make sure that wherever they go he follows and that's fine but do one or the other don't have him flip-flop back and forth because that doesn't make any sense all that is is it's it's convenience for the plot we need jonah in this instance to not follow bill and joe so we just don't have him and, and exactly. it just, it's lazy it's lazy writing because it doesn't have any um consistency he needed some serious rewriting. Like, I think it would have been so much better if he was just a normal guy that just happened to be in the same field as them. Say they went to school together or something like that. And he's just kind of trailed behind Bill's footsteps all these years. But he's not an evil guy. But he is kind of like taking his ideas. That would have been fine. Well, so, here, like, here, here's another angle. Fine. They work together. But then, you know, Jonah, who is, is talented in his own right, uh, much like Bill, uh, got tired of not having the funding. So he went out and got corporate sponsors because he was tired of waiting to get Dorothy built. And so he went out and he built her himself because uh, they were taking too long. It was just taking forever. And so he went out on his own. There you yeah, go. End exactly. of story. And and a relatively normal person, too, by the way. Um, why couldn't that be the case so in my mind and it's just personally cut out melissa cut out that whole side of the story fill in with more jonah but a jonah that isn't cartoonish and stupid and there's a legitimate story for him and more importantly 
a point of view which at least makes sense. He left because of this. This is why he went out on his own. He's not in it for the money. He's not in he's he's literally trying to do the same thing they're doing, but he needed to strike out on his own because, you know, they had designed Dorothy three years ago and, and they couldn't get the grant uh funding uh for you know putting her together and all this stuff. So he went out on his own. Fine, great, there you go. Sounds like a reasonable move, not being like a complete and utter asshole. Like he's portrayed yeah. in this movie. Completely. They definitely need to rework his character and I would have added to this movie, I think, quite a bit. Right. Uh, I referenced earlier the Death Wish about Joe, and I really wish they would have explored that. I, I, I think that's the thing I wanted most in this movie is I wanted more explanation about Bill and Joe, their relationship. Where did things go wrong? What What is it about Joe and her drive to to see a tornado, to see it up close, to, to actually want to enter the tornado and more or less kill herself? And and throw her life away, throw her life with Bill away. Like, this would have been fine. If they would have done it in just the right way, this could have been a compelling aspect to the movie. You don't have to say, okay, well, we need to cut out a couple tornadoes because we need to devote a lot of time to this. If they would have carefully constructed scenes and thrown in dialogue in very specific moments, I, I think they could have done a great job at illustrating two people who split apart for these reasons and maybe there's a chance for them still but they could have examined that i think that would have been a better a better way to go about it yeah like it would have been nice to know a little bit more but i do like being able to speculate as well like sometimes i like certain information being left up in the air just you know have theorize about it and Sometimes it's better not to know specifics than it is to know specifics. So it doesn't bother me a lot. I would like I'm curious. Like it'd be interesting to see what was the cause, but it it's not like going to keep me up at night or anything like that. <laughs> no, I mean I understand. And again, it, it's this is the movie that is is more intent on tornadoes and encountering all those and all that. Uh, something else that I found kind of annoying, and it's one of those things where it's just. I don't know why they did this, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but did you notice how every single time they encountered a tornado, after the tornado hit them, it dissipated immediately? Always. Well, Think about it. So the first one, they got caught underneath that equipment or whatever, that bridge or, or whatever that thing was. Remember when they ran the truck into it, they got out and they got underneath it, and they were like hanging on for dear life, right? So it hit you know, picked the truck up and and dissipated immediately, which is why the truck fell. So then the the the, the sisters on the water, all right, the, the two sisters hit their vehicle, spun it around uh, four or five times, and then, boom, disappeared. Then we go to um, the other one, the, the F, uh, the F4, I think, um, where, when it was just Joe and Bill, Right, so it, it it came down and then it disappeared and then it came back and then it disappeared and that's it. And then we went to the to the big one, the F five, right? So it chases them, kind of whatever. Um, and then it 
they latch themselves onto that pipe and then okay fine the tornado hits it spins 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 they can see that they can see in the innermost portion of the tornado the lightning all that stuff and then it goes past them and then immediately dissipates boom gone you know like they all just disappear right after they encounter them they're all they're all gone and that's it it's true like i do understand that like it, it's really it's probably budget limitations to be quite honest with you yeah and it's just like you know once it gets past our characters who really cares about the tornado too mm-hmm. and it's not entirely inaccurate like tornadoes can drop and dissipate several times over like an hour or two and it's pretty when they dissipate it's pretty fast but they can reappear pretty quickly too so <sighs> I guess now that I think about it, it does bother me that it always by the character, but <laughs> sorry about that up. <laughs> Don't poke holes in my movie. <laughs> okay, here's a question. How did how did Joe and Bill survive at the end? Like that those bars had to have been like concreted into the earth, but the fact I, that they didn't get hit by anything is yeah. the amazing part. I you know, um I, I'm sorry. I mean I have to call BS on this one here because yeah. um it could have been lightning, lightning for sure. I mean, they, look. Yeah. By the way, they're in metal rod. Right. There, there's steel poles, metal, you know, pipes and stuff. I mean, that lightning could have easily hit those metal poles and killed them. And that um, barn they were in was like a murder shed. <laughs> right, and then and then on top of that, uh, just just the wind. I mean, if these if these winds are 300 miles an hour. I don't care. Those their arms would have ripped off. Or or debris would have hit them. I mean, this is an F five tornado that's been picking up farm equipment, has been picking up stuff from that shed that had all those knives. They would have been impaled with something. They would have died. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I understand what it is and and all that. They, but it just it defies logic that they managed to survive at the end, having just been hit by a mile wide. By the way, mile wide tornado. Yeah, you know, it's pretty insane. And of course, you know, the second they pass through the center of it, it disappears. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, damn it, you're poking holes. In this. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> you know, sorry, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so there's a there's a couple of ADR issues in this movie. There's one line by Melissa in this movie. I'm trying to think of the line. I think it was something like she said where, you know, no, honey, I think I want to tag along. And I remember looking at her mouth. And I remember even thinking about this back when I had the VHS copy. I'm like, something is not lining up here. And it's just an, it's an ADR, you know, post. Uh, you know, they're working on things in post. And, and ADR is a common thing. But the actors are brought in. They they say their lines again, but they try to match their you know lips with the the dialogue and everything so it, it sounds or like they were actually doing all the talking on set uh but you could tell like she doesn't really line everything up there and it just feels a little off it's not a, like an awful thing but it's it's definitely something that stands out when i watch the movie yeah yeah i've seen that a couple of movies it's annoying at the time but what can you do? I it's guess just, it's just it, was yeah, it was the nineties. Yeah, we'll just we just use that as the nineties. So, what are your it's thoughts? The 90s. Are there anything that you want to bring up about this movie? Things that you want to talk about? 
holes uh, or 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 qualities that you enjoy, things you like here? We covered everything that I had issues with. Um, I will say, like one of the effective scenes I really liked was at the movie theater, mm. the one out um, drive it drive through movie theater thing. Uh, that was like how fast it hit and how like just panic and how quick it's like that is a really scary moment like it's not a super scary movie or anything like that but there's moments where you feel that terror and it's pretty effective yeah um i definitely love that scene obviously um i do have one small issue with that scene and i just remember i never thought about it before never all the times i saw this movie i never once thought about it until just the other day so all those people that were watching the movie, like they run in to that giant uh, garage with Joe, Bill, and everybody. That's where they all run to. Most of them, I think, run in there. But when everybody's in there, we never see anybody else. So the camera is only focused the whole time on on Bill, Joe, and you know where where where's all these other people at. Where are they hiding? They're in the are back. They... They're in the uh, the the um. Oh, what do you call them? They Side ba- character like the... back room. Oh, like are they in the basement of the garage <laughs> or something? I don't. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Where I'm thinking like, wow, you know, where are all those people? Because there's gonna be like you know, like 50 people in here at least right now. You know, where yeah. are they all hiding? It's just one of those things. It's not a big deal. I'm like I just remember thinking about that the other day. I thought this. Just where are these people at? They should be screaming. We should see people cowering. Uh, but I understand. Probably what ended up being uh, what happened was you know they shot those scenes outside of it, and yeah. then inside could have been weeks later. And of course, you know they're not going to bring all the all bunch of people back. They're they're just going to exactly. shoot that. So it's it's not a big deal. It's just a little thing that I just picked up on the other day. I thought, okay, that's just a little weird. Um, so do you want to jump into some trivia? Sure. Uh, trivia. So this was the first movie released on DVD, and it's the last to be released on HD DVD before that wow. uh, eventually folded. First movie released on DVD? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's pretty important. Um, <laughs> a recording of a camel's moan was slowed down and used as the sound of a tornado. So just to... It's pretty terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Um. Both Joss Whedon and Steve Zalian, who are both obviously excellent screenwriters, or you should know who Joss Whedon is, uh, were brought in as script doctors at a fee of $100,000 a week to tidy up the script, make it better, you know, improve it where they could. Which is interesting. Like, it seems pretty, like, it's a decent script. It's not perfect by any means, but I guess they really did their job. <laughs> I don't know this to be true. Mind you, this is a complete and utter theory on my Who part. Who knows what it was before? Well, it's a complete theory on my part, but I I wonder if Joss Whedon is responsible for the scene at Meg's house. Oh, yeah. And the reason I say that is, I mean, you've seen the Avengers movies, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the second Avengers movies, Age of Ultron, the you know, the, the farmhouse scene where they go to the farmhouse and it's like this break in the middle of the movie, the characters talk and they kind of pair off and, and, you know, we get some nice character work in that. Very reminiscent. Exactly. Exactly. I thought I saw this scene and I thought, I, this feels like a Joss Whedon scene to me. Totally. Like totally. I wouldn't doubt it. I I seriously, I, I don't, uh, 
have any proof, but I, I feel pretty certain that he's responsible, either for he's responsible in whole, or he definitely beefed this scene up more than what I think the script originally had. Beefed so. it up because there's steak involved. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, the instrument package used in the movie Dorothy is an homage, of course, to the instrument pack. Uh, real tornado researchers attempted or attempted to place in the path of tornadoes called Toto. So very cool. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks was the original choice for the role of Bill Harding. Hanks was even briefly uh, briefly accepted the role in Red Lines with the cast before dropping out. Kurt Russell and Bill Paxton. Or also, or also a consideration for the role, of course, it went to Bill Paxton in the end. See, I could see Kurt Russell doing it. I couldn't see Tom Hanks doing it. I think, yeah, I, I'm a little leery about him. I think he probably recognized he wasn't right for the role, which is why he dropped out. Yeah, it's not his type. No. Um, Michael Crichton and his wife, Anne-Marie Martin, were paid $2 million for the script, which Oof. is a pretty hefty sum. But sure is. given the fact that Crichton was responsible for Jurassic Park, uh, the book, and uh, consulted on the movie. Understandable. And uh, the original director of photography, Don Burgess, best known for his collaboration with Robert Zemeckis, uh, he and many other crew members walked off the set midway through filming after a series of heated arguments with the director, uh, wow. Jan DeBond. So That's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you'd have to really piss me off to walk off a set like that. Yeah. Yeah, obviously they got into some serious arguments, you know. So, um, all right. So let, let's get down to uh, the grading for this. So um, I guess I'll go first on this one. <laughs> uh, script. Script. So um, pros. Um, I think Joe's team with Dusty and the rest of the crew – provide much of the movie's heart and the connection. Uh, decent chemistry between Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. Uh, as I said earlier, Joe's personal demons are seen as a death wish in this movie, uh, kind of like long-term PSD or PTSD. Cons, uh, a script too overstuffed with characters and subplots, a love triangle that is unneeded. Jonah is cartoonish and his logic is often inconsistent. And of course, we're going to go from an F1 to an F5. But that's probably minor on my on my cons. It's not really a big deal. Uh, <laughs> but there are serious issues, I think, with this script. Um, brush this thing up, and we're looking much better. But uh, I'm going to give it a 71. Oof, ouch. That's yeah. painful. Yeah. I love this movie, but um, I, I've got to be honest about it. It definitely needed some work. I'm a little more generous. I I'm, uh, <laughs> I knew you would be. I was just like, I'm just like I think she's gonna like this a little more than me. <laughs> Our pros, um, I think in a whole a lot like there's some really incredibly scripted scenes in this movie that makes make this movie what it is and just give it some like really true life and while there is quite a few scenes and characters that could use quite a bit of work uh, I, I don't feel it o overshadows it as much as you know maybe maybe that's nostalgia speaking but it doesn't bother me too much Carrie L's um, his character bothers me a little more than Melissa does hers like <sighs> 
<laughs> she's a little bit of comedy relief too. Like, I-, I love her lines. I can't help it. <laughs> she has fabulous lines. Just her therapy conversations in the back of the car while they're chasing tornadoes. It's just, it's kind of like just nice comedic relief in a really serious moment. And I liked her character. I don't like. You know, the fact that she's the third wheel, she's the other woman, and there's this love triangle bullshit, that's whatever. I could give a crap about that. But I do like her in general. But So I gave this script an 81. Okay. But 10 points higher. 10 points higher. Okay. Um, acting. Uh, standout performances, I, I don't... I think, well, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably the most memorable here. Uh, he's fantastic you, he's it, such a character yeah is dusty it's probably the closest thing there really is to a stand-up performance here I'm on the verge of really kind of labeling it is that i think um i think helen hunt and, and bill paxton are rock solid here uh i wouldn't call them stand-up performances but i do think a lot of the movie rests on their shoulders to kind of ground it um and i think it's probably something that makes this movie a lot better because of it because it's on their yeah. shoulders for for the most part um i had bad performances i don't really think there's any bad performances again i, I can't i can't it's not label... the actors it's the writing right i think it's the writing i think it's the direction of carrie l's joan i don't think it's it's not him it's not a performance issue it's a writing issue it's a script issue uh melissa for me i mean again i'm not particularly big on her character. I do think you're right. She does have some, some funny lines, but uh, any deficiencies there, I think are less about the actor and more about the script and the direction from the director. Um, But I mean, again, I I think some good performances, I think some, some, some at least average performances, I I guess, Um, but no bad performances. Nobody that, um, I think, man, they really drag this movie down. Just terrible. <laughs> just awful actor. Uh, so for me, it gets uh, an 80. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, I think the acting was, it's between average to fairly good. No bad acting. Just some poor writing. <laughs> uh, it's not the actor's fault. I think they you know, did did as much as they could with what they were given and did a pretty good job. I gave them an 86. Okay. Uh, let's move on to directing. Um, okay, so I, I actually I think uh, Jan DeBont did a really good job here. Uh, one thing about his his directing is it's energetic. I mean, he is moving constantly, and and his camera is especially in the action sequences is just like it's like the actors are constantly trying to catch up to the camera. Um. <laughs> So I think he did his best in this movie to feel like you're in with whatever action-wise is going on. Uh, there's a there's a tornado. You're in there with Joe and Bill. Uh, I think he did his best to kind of make the audience feel like they were actually in the scene, in the danger uh, that Bill and Joe are in. Uh, I think he's just he's, well, first of all, Jane Bond was a cinematographer before he was a director, and he was a cinematographer for some pretty good movies back in the the nineties and the eighties, uh, and I think in the seventies, but definitely the eighties. 
in, in the 90s. So this is a guy who knows how to shoot a film from a cinematographer standpoint, which probably is where he got into the arguments with the cinematographer. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably. But, you know, apart from that, I just think it's it's pretty good job. Um, I think it's one of the better aspects of this movie, you know. Um, so for me, it's an 85. Yeah, I don't think he did a bad job at all, um, despite sounds like they had some hiccups and disputes and whatnot. Um, I think the movie came out fairly well, looked like it's well-directed. Looks like everything was, came out pretty darn good. I don't think, you know, there's too much of a problem with the directing. I was thinking in 86. Okay. All right, let's move on to special effects. Um, this is where this movie shines. Okay, so special effects, and and one thing we have to remember too, you know, we talk about special effects, so we always mention CGI and, of course, makeup and hair and makeup, things like that. Uh, you know, blood gashes, you know, this uh, disfigurement, burns, scars, things like that, uh, because those are practical effects, but they're still special effects. They're practical effects that uh, used to be the way things were done before computers. But there's another thing that we have to think about too, which is uh, other kinds of practical effects like dropping um, farm equipment, <laughs> um, you know, kind of sound. sound design is also something to think about, especially in a movie like this. But, you know, you're dropping tractors and, and stuff in the front of an oncoming vehicle. And, you know, those are, again, a practical thing we had to utilize in a movie like this. Yes. Um, the CGI, uh, we talked about it earlier. There are some some poor, poor things uh, in this movie. It doesn't quite hold up. It doesn't hold up. Uh, even, I think, for 1996, those probably didn't look too bad at the time. Um, I don't think I ever really noticed them, but they didn't age well. And I, I think <laughs> even a few years later, they probably didn't look great. Uh, compared to movies, you, you know, even say 1999 or something, it's probably like, man, that doesn't look great. But um, the tornadoes, for the most part, look good. Uh, some look better than others, but I think overall, I think they're still pretty convincing, especially the big one at the end. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to give uh, it an 84. Yeah, I think that's a really fair grade. Special effects are... They're great. I mean, like there is, you know, of course we talked about CGI on some things doesn't always hold up, but they really put a lot of love into the tornadoes. And that's the one thing you want to give a lasting effect and have, you know, this ability to watch it and not think it's CGI. And they did that pretty darn well. Um, I think a lot of it's really well done. I mean, like dropping some of the cars, totally right some really good effects there um i i was giving it an 87 okay all right let's uh go on to uh, editing and pacing so uh this movie really zooms along i think for the most part i mean it's pretty much a wild crazy ride there isn't a ton of downtime um you know there is only a handful of scenes where a tornado isn't being chased or they're being chased by a tornado um referenced Meg's scene at her house uh, when they stop over for breakfast being maybe the best scene in the movie. Um, but I think pacing wise, you know, this look, regardless of whatever issues I have with the script, when it comes to the variety of issues I already, already brought up. Um, apart from that, 
the editing and the pacing here is, is pretty top-notch. From an editing standpoint, they do a great job of cutting it in a way that really enhances the action in this movie because that's the big thing. It, yes. It's constant action. They're, they're chasing a tornado down. Oh, boy, now it's changing direction. Now it's coming at us. Now we've got to turn around. We've got to rush back. You know, the, the editing really aids that. And there's also some shots where they stopped from cutting to a different character or their uh, reaction. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, there's the scene where Bill and Joe, uh, where, where Bill is, you know, yelling at Joe because she wants to kill herself. And then he says, like, look what's right in front of you. And she says, what do you mean? And he says, me. And it shifts over to watching Melissa's face. And she's, you know, completely devastated. Now, another movie or another director or, well, in this instance, an editor may have cut to Dusty or may have cut back to Joe. and But they knew that in this instance, it was better to leave that shot and to watch as the camera slowly kind of zooms in on her face. Leave it there. Let's see the devastation. Don't just cut away. And uh, those are things you have to do as an editor. Now, as... As for pacing, like I said, I think this movie zooms along. Not a lot of downtime. So combine the two, and I'll give it uh, an 88. Yeah, I definitely agree. The editing and pacing is top-notch. I mean, it makes you feel like you're in the moment. You feel like you're... You feel like the the adrenaline going with these characters and chasing tornadoes. It's thrilling, and that's a testament to the editing. Uh, I gave it 89. Okay. Pretty close with most of them. Yeah, yeah, for the most except for script. Script was yeah. definitely far off there. Uh all right, so let's move on to rewatchability. Uh ninety for me. Uh yeah. it's, it's got a high grade. Both pretty high on this uh, one. I mean, how could it not? Because, you know, we've all already talked about how many times we've watched these movies, but uh yeah, I could still watch this movie just about any time. If it came on next week. And I had nothing to do and time to kill. I probably would have just sit and watch this movie if it popped up on TV. Yep. So. I put down a 97. Wow. I justify that by, I, you know, I put, it's the percentage, the odds that I'm going to watch this in the next year. There's a 97% chance I'm going to watch this in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you come up with that. Uh, the <laughs> odds are the number. Um, yep. yep. So, I think you know overall we're looking at uh we're looking at a movie that is uh favored by a lot of people. I think a lot of people enjoy this movie and if you saw it back in the 90s uh you probably loved it then you probably love it now. My wife not as much. Really? <laughs> it was she just it, it's like too in, it's like so intense, you know. Yeah. It's like even she's just like well it's just too intense of a movie. Yeah, if you're me. not into that kind of thing, yeah, it's definitely not the movie for you. Right. So it's understandable. Yeah. But you know, it's a it's a great time. It's a great it's a great movie to sit down and just kind of watch and absorb and not think too much. They don't want you to think too much here because it's not the point. I understand what they're trying to do. It's uh, it's about the spectacle, as I said earlier. It's about watching tornadoes. And the character's crazy enough to actually chase after him. Yeah. So. All right. It's awesome. So, uh, 
tally up our grades, average everything out. So the Freaking Geek score for Twister is an 85. I think that's pretty... I think that's right on the nose. I think it's pretty fair. If I I, I was going to overall average it out for myself, I I think it probably would be around an 82 or so. But... um, I bring it up. (laughs) I brought... Yeah. I brought your score down and you brought my score up, uh, however you want to look at it. So... But, you know, like I said, I love this movie, but, you know, when we do... It these, has its faults. <laughs> but we, yeah, when we do these movies, um, I have to look at things honestly and, and say, okay, you know, I love this movie, but this is a problem, or that could have been a lot better. Or, yeah. you know, the cinematography, hmm, man, they, they should have found a different cinematographer, you know, whatever. <laughs> so... Uh, well, in this case, I think I think Jan DeBont probably finished it off. I don't have any any knowledge about that. Whether he just like, yeah, I, I can do it myself. Uh, I know how <laughs> to do, just this. do this. So, uh, all right, so that's it. So, if you guys want to write into the podcast and comment on our review, tell us that we are crazy. This thing deserves a ninety nine <laughs> out of a hundred, or that uh, man, there's a sixty. This is a horrible movie. This thing needs to be like a forty. Then <laughs> feel free to write in. And let us know what you think. And you can also go to the website and you can uh, go to the page Check for Twister. Out. You can scroll down and you can rate the movie as we rate it according to all the same criteria. And you can get your overall score uh, for Twister. And we'll see that. And if you post comments, if you have any questions, you can either post them on the website um, with your with your score or you can write into the podcast and let us know what you think. Freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to write in and uh, comment. So that's it for us. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed our review of Twister. We hope you enjoy Twister because it's a fabulous movie. And yeah, I guess that's a wrap for us on Twister. Yep. All right. I'll be out next week, uh, next couple of weeks, actually. Uh, that being said, I'm going to be doing a review for Mission Impossible. Uh, movie coming out here in a couple of days so uh we'll have that out that'll be uh the final review i do uh before i go on my trip and then sarah and raker will be taking over for a week and uh yeah i know right that's uh, they're so excited they're like finally the reins are ours so <laughs> you're just gonna log on you're just gonna give us a call did you really do a review on my little pony <laughs> that, was, that was that was a raker pick wasn't it oh yeah of course it's raker pick (laughs) yes i love that movie whatever uh yep so look uh, look for that and uh hopefully you guys enjoy whatever they pick so we'll see you guys (laughs) oh they will (laughs) yes they will or they uh they'll hear about it uh (laughs) we'll see you guys next time and uh, have a good one and thanks for listening to the podcast bye geeks